I know this is a, a, a little bit off-putting to you that, that you're a little uncomfortable right now because uh, here it is, the Sunday after Christmas, and the senior pastor is preaching. I know that's weird. Doesn't usually happen. I've stolen Greg's spot, right? He's supposed to, the associate or the, or the youth pastor, somebody else is supposed to be here preaching instead of the senior pastor. I'm supposed to be in Florida. Well, I was last year, but I'm excited that, uh, that we are at the conclusion of our journey through the New Testament. And so I wanted to be here for that, and my bank accounts run dry, but... No, I'm excited that we're, uh, we're at the conclusion of our journey through the New Testament. For those of you visiting today, um, let me let you in on the inside story. We have been reading as a congregation, we've been reading Monday through Friday, one chapter of the New Testament each day. And if you do that for a whole year, you finish the New Testament in a year. And some have been reading that. They've been reading also a devotion that I wrote for every chapter of the New Testament. And then uh, we do sermons and we have small groups and, and uh, Sunday school material uh, to follow along as adults. And so we've been doing that Monday through Friday. Tomorrow, the congregation reads Revelation 22, the last chapter in our Bible. Little heads up here. I know I'm going to break news to you. You may not have heard this before. God wins. Really, truly. As a matter of fact, let me read part of that last chapter. Revelation 22, beginning at verse 12. See, this is Jesus speaking. See, I am coming soon. My reward is with me to repay according to everyone's work. I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they might, they will have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and fornicators and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. It is I, Jesus, who sent my angel to you with this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and bride say, come. Let everyone who hears say, come. And let everyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who wishes take the water of life as a gift. I warn everyone who hears the words of, this prophecy, uh, the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of this book of prophecy, God will take away that person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. The one who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. Amen. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we've been reading through the New Testament. If, if, uh, if you read through the New Testament and if you asked for a certificate of completion, we are going to trust that you're going to read the last chapter tomorrow. Your certificate is on tables out there in the, uh, in the fellowship hall uh, in alphabetical order. Pick yours up. Um, uh, I think I signed uh, about 120 of them. I'm glad to have done so. Uh, I know that we had about 280 people on our email list that were reading uh, from the email and then people were picking up the book. Really excited that we went through this. Um, I hope that it was meaningful to you. I hope that it, it made a difference in your life. As you read through that New Testament, I know 
that, that you encountered things you weren't expecting. That happens when you read the Bible. It happens to me every time I read through the New Testament. I don't have it memorized, and so I'll be reading through it and go, ooh, I forgot about that part, or ooh, I hadn't looked at it in that way before. Each time I go through it, I, I'm encountered in a different way. So you might have, might have seen things you weren't expecting, might have had questions that came up that, that still go unanswered. You may, you may have found yourself uh, uh, walking through some parts of it that, that you're still wondering, what in the world is that about? Maybe that's where you find yourself as, as you've journeyed through the New Testament. And then maybe uh, there's that part of it that, that's a little bit disconcerting where you go, do I measure up? Am I where God wants me to be? Am I able to get where God wants me to be? And there's that part of reading the New Testament that challenges each one of us. I'm challenged every time. I wonder, what's this mean for me? And there are tough questions that are evoked every time we encounter the Word of God. As we read through the Word of God, um, we are encountered by the Word in, in differing levels. And I want to talk about, about three levels of encounter that we have, and I think it's a progression of our faith growth. I, I think it's, it's how we move from learning to, um, uh, to seeking to create habits uh, to those habits become who we are. It's a process of discipleship. And, and know throughout this process, um, even if I don't say these particular words, know that, that, that this is true. It's God who develops us in that process. So I'm going to talk about going deeper in this process. And so the first level of that as we, as we open the Bible and study God's word is information. Information. We are encountered by a, a first century world that we're not familiar with. We are encountered by the Mediterranean uh, basin area from, from Israel and going north around the Mediterranean. We are encountered by sites and, and, and uh, stories that, that are foreign to us. And, and we begin learning about the people and the things that were happening. And sometimes we might read something that requires that, that we've got, in order to go a little bit deeper, we've got to read what in the world that meant. And, and so maybe you went to footnotes in your Bible or, or maybe you Googled something to, to find out what in the world is a denarii that's in there. What's the difference between a king, an emperor, a governor, or a prefect? Our reading brings us into a world that, that is not entirely familiar, and I think that's helpful. I think that, that if it were familiar to us, at least for me, if it were, were familiar, I might struggle with learning what I need to learn. Now, I've been to Israel. I've seen what it looks like, but I've seen what it looks like 2,000 years after Jesus. I got to walk up, up this one canyon that would have been the canyon that Jesus walked from uh, Nazareth down to um, uh, the Sea of Galilee, and it's several miles up that canyon, and, and I got to walk in the same path that Jesus walked. I'm pretty sure it's a little more worn down 2,000 years later. So it's still different, still not the same. And I think that, that causes us to have a little more wonder and questioning about what's going on. And, and that wonder and questioning, I think, moves us toward the question, what does this mean? 
And, and as we seek to uh, add meaning into the information we're reading, we get to the second level, and that's formation. Formation. In Philippians 3.1, the Bible tells us, Paul is writing this, he says, Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. Join in imitating me. Paul is saying, look, do what I do. You want to know how a Christian's supposed to act? You want to be formed according to the word of God? Do what I do. Act like I act. He talks about the, the people who uh, live according to the example you have. Those other people that live the Christian life, follow their example. In, in the Revelation text I read, uh, those people would be called saints. Saints are anyone, uh, we tend to think of saints in the Roman Catholic idea of, of those who um, have died and, and been canonized by the church. But biblically speaking, saints are everybody alive and dead who have given their life to Jesus Christ. And so the people that are living it to the best of their ability, Paul is saying, imitate them. Follow what they do. Add to your life habits and, and ways of living that form you. That form you into being Christ-like. That help you come away to be more like Christ intended for our lives that's our goal in life, to become Christ-like. As Christians, we're, our goal is to become more and more like Christ, to be formed in our life, to do the things and live the way that Christ lived. I went to, I went to seminary, in, began in 1994. Before I entered seminary, um, I had a, uh, uh, a phone call from a professor at seminary. Now, here's what you need to know. I, I was a, a very conservative, um, both theologically and politically, very conservative uh, um, young man. And, um, and I, I wrote um, uh, this paper that you have to write to get into seminary. And I wrote this paper for a very liberal seminary that I attended. And so I get a phone call from a professor. Would you please come and meet with me? This is before they sent me a... Uh, letter saying I was accepted. And so I went to his office and he says, he says this to me. He says, I wanted to meet you face to face. I was the dissenting vote on your admissions committee. Welcome to the school. He said, you're far too conservative to go here. Turned out he was right. And I still attended. Um, and here's what I found in seminary. I took my conservative ideology, and I was encountered by a liberal ideology, and I decided that neither one works. And so in my study, I went deeper, and I, I sought to understand what God's Word was saying to me, and sought to understand the way they were teaching it, because, I mean, I'm paying for the seminary, I might as well learn something, right? And I believe I came out of seminary more of a Christian than I went in. You see, I decided that, that conservative and liberal are both wrong. And Christian is not something in between. But rather, Christ stands above those ideas and offers us something completely different. If you, if you look at the people that follow Jesus Christ from the beginning, you have people on both sides of the political or social or financial spectrum 
who come to the same conclusion that Jesus is Lord of their life. It must have something to do with something other than the ideology that we come to with it. As a matter of fact, I would challenge you that, that if you read through that New Testament and you are the same today as you were January 1 of this year, you need to do over again. You need to start over. The New Testament, the, the story of Jesus and the stories that follow should conflict with what you're already doing because most of us aren't like Christ in our lives perfectly. I guarantee I'm not. There are still places where I read through and go, man, I need to work on that. I need to elevate my game. God wants to mold you into the image of Christ. Wants to form you to be like Christ. And that takes life habits and imitating those who have been faithful down through the years. And we act our way into a new way of being. And that new way of being is that final, that third level, transformation. Transformation. In the, in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Transformation is, is when we take the information we've learned, we've allowed God to form us in the image of Christ, and our life is transformed, but not just for our purpose. Our life is transformed for the purpose of transforming the world. Being change agents in the world. Making a difference in the world. That's what we're called to. We're not called to stay the same, nor are we called to do the same things. We're called to change the world. We're called to do the Word of God. You know, I, I, I often encounter people um, or, or hear on the news or something, people that would shut up um, the Christian voice by saying, you know, you need to keep your beliefs to yourself. By the way, that's a belief system that says people should keep their beliefs to themselves. However, they didn't because they said, for me to keep my beliefs to myself. I, I read a quote recently that, that uh, suggested uh, that, that people that, that live with an, without an unconsidered um, uh, um, faith life, unconsidered philosophy of life, that uh, they have their feet firmly planted in midair. We each have an operational philosophy that governs our life. And that philosophy, uh, uh, in an academic term for Christians, that philosophy is the, the, the way of life of Jesus of Nazareth. But followers of this philosophy know that it's much more than that. It's the will of God for our lives. And the will of God is that the world would be transformed by our transformed lives. Transformation is applying what we've read to what we do in life. It's not meant to be forced except for the force of love. It's not meant to be just a moment of your life, but moment by moment, day by day. Not as a way to get our way, but as a way to point the way to Jesus Christ. 
In, in Revelation 21, verse 1, it says, and I'm going to take a little tangent here, a little, a little side trip here. In Revelation 21, 1, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. This tangent will make sense, I think, by the end of this. Bear with me. A new heaven and a new earth. In verse 5, the Lord says, See, I am making all things new. That kind of messes with your understanding of heaven, doesn't it? I mean, we've taught you for, for your whole life that, that when you die, you go up to heaven, there it is for eternity. But it's not. That's not the biblical uh, um, story for you. It, it goes like this. There's a holding place called heaven where we will live until God decides to create the new heaven and the new earth. And I don't know when that's going to happen. No one knows when that's going to happen. Jesus didn't know when that's going to happen. I figure nobody else is going to figure it out. It's up to God the Father to decide. The new heaven and the new earth. And when God creates that, we will dwell back on earth, a new earth, inhabited by people who have lived out the image of Christ in their life, who have trusted Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's temporary. And the new heaven and the new earth will be how God intended us to live our lives all along. And God who establishes this new heaven and new earth, this new eternal dwelling, it'll be, it will be your loved ones and you. And, and, and if, you, if you die before it happens, you'll be there on the new earth. And if you're alive when it happens, you'll be there in the new earth. I don't know how. God will take care of that. And so when we come to that scripture from today, we're encountered by the majesty. If you read the, first, the, the several chapters before this, you're encountered by the majesty of this heavenly realm, this temporary holding place for all those who have died in Christ. You, the, the beauty and majesty of it, it's, it's amazing. It, it's, it's even overwhelming. And as you're encountered by the majesty of it, you hear these voices, the spirit and the church. It says the bride. But the Spirit and the church, the church is the bride of Christ. The Spirit and the church say, come, Lord Jesus, come. It just says come, but that's what it's, it, they're speaking to Jesus. Jesus has just spoken, and now they're saying, come on. We're ready for this to happen. You see, the people who love Jesus Christ are ready for this to happen. We're longing for this to happen. We're looking forward to the day this happens. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And all of us that hear these words are called upon to say, come, Lord Jesus, come. Everyone who drinks from the fountain say, come, Lord Jesus, come. But there's something interesting that happens in, in this text. There's a, there's a twist, uh, there, there's a shift in the conversation. In the verse 17, I'm skipping ahead of verse, verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come. That invitation is this longing, this desire for God to intervene in our lives, for Christ to come again. We're calling out to Christ, come, but then there's a shift in the address, and the shift goes like this, let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. It shifts to others. And that's that shift that we're meant to have in our own lives. It's the shift from come, Lord Jesus, come, to, and let me invite everybody else into it as well. 
the invitation shifts from Jesus, please come back, to I hope all of you will come too. It's the evangelical invitation for all of you to come and be a part of it. In the book of John, Jesus forecasts these words. He says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, out of the believer's hearts shall flow rivers of living water. Where does this life-giving water come from? From your heart as you offer it to others. Comes from the heart of every believer today. Life-giving water comes from you and me who have been transformed into the image of Christ for the world. It comes when our minds are informed, our hearts are formed, and our lives are transformed. And we begin to make a difference, an impact in the lives of others. One of the ways that Living Word does that is through, through our signature missions. We took a miracle offering on Christmas Eve. Last year, $126,000. This year, $141,000, $15,000 more than the year before. Amen to that. And people hear the cry, come, when wells in Ghana flow with clean water, when homes in Mexico are built for the homeless, when the homeless from the St. Louis area find room in our hearts through room at the inn, and strangers are welcomed into our community through Haven House, when veterans and, and, and young people are, are scholarshiped to be able to uh, participate in the Equine Centers program, when food is plentiful at Agape House, when circle and circle of concern, and when children and teachers and their families at Merrimack School learn that they are loved and cared for, and those children learn to read, that's life-giving. When the follower of Jesus Christ feeds the hungry, clothes the naked, brings water to the thirsty, welcomes the stranger, comforts the sick, and those in prison, as it tells us in Matthew 25, we are providing the opportunity for people to hear the voice of Christ say, come. Because of your New Testament reading, you should be different. You should be different. Again, if you're the same this year as you were last year, here's my invitation to you. Out in the lobby, we have the reading list for this coming year. Read it over again. You shouldn't be the same. You should have been challenged. You should have been encouraged. You should have been transformed. For the coming year, that, that option is there to, to read that if you'd like. Um, but also, because we just went through the information part for the last year, what, what, do we, what does the Bible say? We begin this year, uh, next Sunday, to look at, okay, now how do we apply it? And, and there's that, that card in, in, your, uh, in your bulletin that, that talks about the, the next sermon series. It's on judgment. And I know every one of you can say, you shouldn't judge. The Bible says you shouldn't judge. It says, judge not, lest ye be judged. But that's not the only thing the Bible says about judgment. It says a whole lot more. And so we, because we do it anyway, why don't we do it in a biblical way? So again, we're going to begin the coming year 
not as much with information but as formation to try to figure out how do we incorporate what we've read into our daily lives. Pastor Greg has written the, the Sunday school and small group lessons, and he's written the devotions that will go with it. They'll, those will be available beginning next week. A little bit different, this, this uh, uh, year the sermon will come before what you study, so that what you study will be informed by the sermon you heard the week before. Are you different? Are you changed? Have you heard the voice of Christ say, Come? Get in a small group, get in a Sunday school class, get into the reading and pray. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen.